Hi, welcome to the Myths and History of Ancient Greece. Chapter 7, Bring Me the Head of the Gorgon Medusa. At the end of the last chapter, we heard about Danae and her son Perseus. They were sent out to sea by Danae's father, Acrisios, who had heard that he would be killed by Danae's son. Acrisios wanted to make sure that he avoided death. As we have heard, Perseus and Danae were washed up on the shores of the island of Seraphos, where they were taken in by Dictys, brother of Polydectes, king of the island. Well, a few years passed, and Perseus grew into a strong young man who was very protective of his mother, and they lived happily ever after with no problems. No, not really. This wouldn't be much of a story if there were no problems, would it? All was going fine, though, until Polydectes decided he needed to find a wife, and he took a liking to Danae. He decided he would marry her, but he realised Perseus would not be too keen. He needed to get rid of the boy, but he couldn't just have him killed. Instead, he came up with a plan. Polydectes pretended he wanted to marry Hippodamia, the daughter of Pelops. He assembled all the men of Seraphos and announced his intention. Seraphos is a small island, he said, but I need to show that I am wealthy and worthy of marrying Hippodamia. Will you all help me by giving me one horse? Most of the men could manage this, but Perseus was poor and he didn't have a horse to give. Alas, said Perseus, I don't have a horse nor any gold to buy one. But, he continued, if you intend to marry Hippodamia and not my mother, then I will try to win for you any gift you name. Polydectes smiled an evil smile. This is exactly what he had been hoping for. Nothing would please me more, he said, than for you to bring me the head of the Gorgon Medusa. Perseus was horrified, but a promise is a promise, and he set out on his quest. Now, we may think that killing a Gorgon was an impossible task. Under normal circumstances it would be, but Perseus had powerful friends. He was the son of Zeus, so Zeus would help him, or at least tell Hermes to help him. Athena was an enemy of the Gordons, so Athena would help him. Athena gave him a shield of polished bronze and told him never to look at the Gorgons directly because he would instantly be turned to stone. He must only look at their reflections in the shield. She then took him to a place where there were pictures of all three Gorgons so he would know which one was Medusa. Hermes gave him a sickle made of the strongest metal so he could cut off Medusa's head with one blow. Hermes and Athena told Perseus he needed three other items, a pair of winged sandals so he could fly away swiftly if the Gorgons came after him, a magic bag into which he could put the Gorgon's head, and Hades' helmet of invisibility. All of these items would be given to him by some nymphs in a place called the Hesperides. All Perseus had to do was find them. There was, though, a little tiny problem. No one knew where the nymphs were, except for three horrible old ladies called the Grey Eye, and they weren't likely to tell him because the Gorgons were their sisters. Perseus set off to find the Grey Eye. He found them in a cave at the end of the earth, and saw that they were indeed three very horrible old ladies. They had been born with grey hair and only a single tooth and a single eye between them. Fortunately, the eye and tooth could be swapped around, so whenever one needed to eat or see, the tooth or eye was given to her. When she had finished, one of her sisters had a go. Perseus strode into the cave and demanded to know where he could find the nymphs. The old women laughed and cackled, and laughed and cackled some more, and then told him to get lost. The young hero, though, was not easily put off, and he crept up behind the three old women. Quickly and deftly, he grabbed both the eye and the tooth, and ran to the mouth of the cave. 
The Grey Eye demanded their seeing and eating equipment back right now, or else. Perseus decided that or else didn't really amount to much, so he laughed and said no. After a great deal of howling and cackling from the old crones, Perseus offered them a deal. He would give back the eye and the tooth if they told him where to find the nymphs. The Grey Eye knew they were beaten and told him. He gave back the seer and the chewer. Perseus gladly left the cave of the Grey Eye and went to find the nymphs. They had been instructed by Zeus to give him the items he needed. Perseus put on the winged sandals and took the helmet of darkness and the magic bag. Now he was fully armed for his task. He travelled westward to the place where the Gorgons lived. Meanwhile, far, far away, the king of a kingdom called Ethiopia was having troubles of his own. The king, who was called Cepheus, had a very beautiful wife named Cassiopeia. He thought she was beautiful. The people thought she was beautiful, and unfortunately Cassiopeia herself thought she was very beautiful. She boasted that both she and her daughter Andromeda were more beautiful than the Nereids. Now, do you remember he was very keen on the Nereids? He had even sent a persuasive dolphin to talk one of them into marrying him. Yes, Poseidon was very fond of the Nereids, and when they complained to him about Cassiopeia's boast, he was mightily annoyed. The great god of the sea sent a horrible flood, and an even more horrible sea monster, to destroy the land. Cepheus was terrified, and ran straight to the oracle to ask what he had to do to save himself, his land, and his people. As usual with oracles, he wasn't at all pleased with the answer. He was told his kingdom would only be saved if he gave Andromeda to be devoured by the monster. With a heavy heart, Cepheus gave the order for his daughter to be chained to a rock, and left so the sea monster could have a good meal. OK, back to Perseus. Perseus arrived in the land of the Gorgons, and was lucky to find all three of them, Stheno, Euryale and Medusa, asleep. The hideous monster, with snakes for hair, were all snoozing soundly. He took great care only to look at their reflections in the shield, but he looked at their reflections closely. He soon identified which one was Medusa, and using his winged sandals, silently hovered above her. He summoned up the help of Athena, and swung the sickle. The blow was a good one, and Medusa's head came off. Perseus quickly slammed the head into the magic bag and began to fly off. He was very surprised to see a winged horse and a warrior spring from the neck of the Gorgon. The horse was called Pegasus, and we will meet him later on in our story. The noise of the kill was enough to wake Stheno and Euryale, who set off in pursuit of the flying young man. Perseus put the helmet of darkness on his head and flew off into the distance. The Gorgons couldn't see him, and pretty soon they realised they were not going to catch the killer of their sister. They returned to their home and wailed in mourning. It is said that Athena invented the Aulus, a musical instrument with two pipes, to imitate the sound of their cries. Perseus was extremely pleased with himself, and he started the long journey home. As he flew over Libya, some drops of blood fell from the severed head of the Gorgon. As soon as they hit the desert below, the drops turned into snakes, and the Libyan desert is to this day full of deadly snakes. As the Gorgon Slayer flew further east towards home, he spotted something very unusual in the distance. He swooped down for a closer look, and was quite surprised to see a very pretty girl chained to a rock, and, not too far away, a menacing and quite hungry sea monster. Watching very unhappily from a nearby shore were a royal-looking man and woman. Perseus decided he'd see what was going on, and he landed next to them and took off the Helmet of Darkness. Cepheus and Cassiopeia 
was startled by the sudden appearance of a young man in winged slippers, carrying something head-shaped in a big bag. But they were soon delighted that he was there. Perseus offered to rescue their daughter if they would agree to her becoming his wife. The king and queen eagerly agreed, and Perseus took to the air. He was getting quite good at flying and swinging a sickle by now, and he expertly swooped down on the monster. He swooped, and he swung, and the head of the monster was detached from the rest of it, and splashed into the sea. Perseus unchained Andromeda, and returned her, smiling, to her parents. Now you would have thought that Cassiopeia would have learned her lesson, and simply been happy that Andromeda was safe. But no, as the wedding was taking place, the Queen declared that Andromeda was already engaged to be married to Agenor, brother of a local king. Perseus must die, she cried, and most of the wedding guests, who were friends of Agenor, charged at Perseus. The brave hero fought them and killed quite a few, but they were too much for him. Fortunately, he had with him his magic bag. Why would he want to have a Gordon's head in a bag at a wedding is anyone's guess, but he did. Perseus closed his eyes and told his new wife to do the same, and then he pulled the head from the bag. Instantly, two hundred wedding guests were turned to stone. Perseus and Andromeda set off for Seraphos. Poseidon placed Cepheus, Cassiopeia and the sea monster in the sky to commemorate the event. Cassiopeia was placed in a chair in the heavens, and as she turns through the night sky, she spends some of the time upside down as a punishment for her treachery. After their deaths, Perseus and Andromeda were also placed in the heavens by Athena. When Perseus arrived back home on Seraphos, he was not pleased by what he found. Danae and Dictis had been threatened by Polydectes and had had to run to a temple for safety. Perseus marched straight to the place where Polydectes and his friends were having a banquet. He strode into the banqueting hall and announced in a very loud voice that he had brought the gift which he had been asked to bring. The diners laughed at him and insulted him, so he looked the other way and pulled the head of Medusa from a magic bag. Polydectes and his friends were turned to stone and Dictis became king. This just shows you should be very careful what you ask for. Perseus returned the helmet of darkness, the winged sandals and the magic bag to the nymphs and gave the gorgon's head to Athena. There was just one thing left for Perseus to do. He wanted to go back home to Argos and make peace with his grandfather. He and Andromeda set off for Argos. Acrisios heard they were coming and was frightened for his life because he still remembered the prediction of the oracle. He expected Perseus to kill him, even though Perseus had no intention of doing so. Acrisios ran away to a place called Dorissa. That, as we will see, was a bad move. On his way to Argos, Perseus was invited by the king of a local kingdom to the games which were being held in the honour of the king's dead father. And where were these games? Larissa, of course. Perseus took up the invitation, and being a young and by now famous hero, he entered many of the events, including the discus competition. When it was his turn to throw, Perseus stepped forward, determined to throw the longest throw that he could. He spun round and round and launched the discus into the sky. It was a brilliant throw. It went so high and so far that it was caught by the wind and sailed beyond the games field and into the crowd, where it hit an old man, killing him instantly. The man was, of course, Acrisios. Perseus had killed his grandfather, but entirely by accident. The poor hero was very ashamed. He returned to Argos as its rightful king, but he couldn't bring himself to take the throne after killing Acrisios. 
He had a chat with Megapenthes, king of Tyrans, and agreed to swap kingdoms so he wasn't ruling the kingdom of the man he had just hit with a discus. He ruled his new kingdom wisely and well, and he also founded the kingdom of Mycenae, one of the most important kingdoms of Greece. Perseus and Andromeda went on to have many children and founded a great family. Their great-grandson was a chap called Heracles. One of the sons, Perses, founded a kingdom in the east which was named Persia, after him. The Persians became one of the great empire-building people of ancient history. After their deaths, both Perseus and Andromeda were placed in the skies. There is just one loose end to tie up before we finish this tale. Do you remember what happened when Perseus cut off Medusa's head? Yes, a warrior and a winged horse sprang out. The warrior, who was called Cryosaur, is not really heard of again, but Pegasus, the winged horse, is very well known. Some people think that Perseus rode Pegasus, but that is not how the ancient myths tell the story. A son of the king of Corinth, a man called Bellerophon, had been banished from his kingdom after killing two men. He fled to Tyrins, where King Proteus took him in. Unfortunately, the king's wife accused Bellerophon of trying to steal her away from her husband, and Proetos was very annoyed. He didn't dare kill the young man, so like many others before him, he came up with a dastardly trick. He sent Bellerophon to King Iobates of Lycia with a sealed note, telling the king that Bellerophon was a nasty young man and that he should be killed. Bellerophon arrived and gave Iobates the note, not knowing what it said. The king did not open the note straight away, and he treated his new guest very well for nine days. On the tenth day, though, he opened the note. Iobates was not keen on killing a guest. It just didn't seem like the right thing to do. Instead, he did what many mythological kings did in this situation. He asked Bellerophon to go on a quest to do something everyone thought impossible. He had to hit kill the Chimera. The Chimera was yet another child of Typhon and Echidna, and was therefore bound to be horrible and very dangerous. She breathed invincible fire and had three heads, one a lion, one a goat, and one a snake. Bellerophon was, obviously, not too sure how he was going to get the deed done, so he went to see a wise man. The wise man told him in order to succeed he must tame the wild-winged horse Pegasus. Bellerophon wasn't quite sure how to do this either, so he went to the temple of Athena, had a little nap, hoping for guidance from the great goddess. Athena did not disappoint. Bellerophon dreamed that Athena laid a golden bridle down beside him and then spoke to him. Come take this charm for the steed, she said. When Bellerophon woke up, the bridle was there next to him. Bellerophon went off in search of the beautiful white horse and found him drinking at a well. He walked up to Pegasus, whispering soothingly, and slipped on the golden bridle. From that day on, Pegasus was the servant of the young man and would allow Bellerophon to ride him. Bellerophon was now ready to take on the Chimera. He found the monstrous beast and flew above her on the winged horse, raining down arrows. These seemed to wound the creature a little, but were not causing much damage, so Bellerophon attached a lump of lead to his spear and aimed. The spear hit the Chimera in the mouth of the head that breathed fire. The fire was so hot it melted the lead, which trickled down the creature's throat. The molten metal burned the internal organs of the Chimera, and she died. Bellerophon had succeeded in his quest. Iobates was not satisfied and sent Bellerophon on two further tasks. The first, battling against the Solimoi people, involved killing an awful lot of men. The second, battling against the Amazons, involved killing an awful lot of women. 
Bellerophon, helped by Pegasus, succeeded in both of his tasks, at which point Iobates realised the gods were with the young man and gave him half of his kingdom and his daughter as a wife. And there it should have ended, but Bellerophon got too big for his boots. He decided he could ride his winged horse all the way to the home of the gods. On he got and set off for Olympus. The gods had smiled on him, but they were not about to let a mortal, even a heroic mortal, turn up at Olympus unannounced. Zeus sent a fly to sting Pegasus. The fly did its job, and the winged horse threw his rider off his back, and Bellerophon fell. Down he fell, all the way to the earth. He survived the fall, but landed in a thornbush, and for the rest of his life roamed around the earth dressed in rags. He was crippled, blind, and very lonely. Zeus brought Pegasus to Olympus, and used him to pull the chariot in which he carried about his thunderbolts. Eventually Pegasus, like Perseus and Andromeda, was rewarded by being placed among the stars forever. Next week we will hear some more tales of the gods and the mortals, and learn about the births of six more characters who will have a large part to play in our story later on. Until then, have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time.